me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. <sighs> <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is up, D-Gen Nation? It is Kenny Kim here, your favorite Korean, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast for the Sony Open this week. Of course, I'm here with my usual partner in crime, uh, Tyler Tambellini. Tyler, how was your week last week and how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm doing really good. It was a fairly good week for the first week. Started off strong. Uh, we showed on Twitter, got a little W on one of the FanDuel tournaments there to sort of level out the week, made a little bit of money. Um, Betting-wise, we'll get into was interesting because the Canadian aspect of it, which we'll go into on the Gary Woodland cash-out story uh, later on. But, yeah, o- overall, a pretty solid week. We had some really good picks last week. You know, I saw you did well with the showdown scoop on Sunday. Some guys reminded you on Twitter that you would have won all the money uh, had you stepped outside of the $1.20 max. But I know you're dabbling, brother. I know you're dabbling, so I'm happy for you. That was still solid. Huge lineup, 407 points, just incredible score. Uh, yeah, how'd you do overall? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, for the week, the main slate, it wasn't that great. Uh, I played a little bit in cash, lost in that, made up some some of it in GPPs, but had a losing week in the main section. But my showdown plays, you know, gave me a positive week, not much. I think I won, like, $28 total after putting in, like, 500 bucks. So it's like, you know, <laughs> a, five, a 5% return on investment, maybe even less. Uh, so, um uh, you know, at least it wasn't a negative week. Uh, the showdown was nice. You know, that's the second showdown GPP win I've had in the last two main tournaments. I won a showdown at the RSM Classic. I also won uh, this past week. It's my third showdown uh, GPP win since it started in April. I've had like two second places as well. Uh, it's been crazy. I, I definitely said I was going to play more. And of course, I did the first day, uh, Friday, 
for the second round. I, I played all the eight dollar and, and then I lost my ass. So uh, and then Saturday <laughs> and then Saturday and Sunday I crushed with just playing a dollar. So I don't know. It's it, it's just the way that, that it went that week. But um, you know what an amazing tournament. First off, let's talk about wow. this tournament. Um, the way it ended up with with Xander shooting sixty. What was it? Sixty sixty one sixty two on um Sunday. You don't get to see that type of golf that often. That was a treat. Uh, when two golfers are in that type of mind frame, that type of mode, usually, you know, a lot of times when you, when you see a golf tournament, you'll see guys, they'll choke a little bit and come back to the field. And that's how people, that's how it gets close. And that's how it gets exciting with one person just not doing as well and everyone coming back up and making it exciting. Uh, that was not the case uh, this past week. This past week, it was Gary. You know, Gary played a little bit conservative maybe early on, but once he felt the heat of Xander, both of them started pressing and being uber aggressive. And the thing is, like, to have that mind frame playing golf is extremely difficult. And it, it, well, not just the mind frame, but actually to make it happen. You know, to, to have those shots, those shots that they both hit on 17. So throughout the whole day, no one had birdied 17, um, you know, up until Gary and Xander hit that hole. And, and those two approach shots, because you got to think the pin on 17 was on the far left, and it was about eight feet from death. Like, if you miss left of that pin, that flat, that ball is going to go down that hill into the uh, into the into the red stakes, into the, some, some gnarly-ass stuff, uh, and your tournament's over. So, you know, when Xander was hitting his shot, I think it was Frank Nabilo or somebody on the announcer staff was like, he better be aiming 30 feet right at the pin. And then he hit it literally right at the pin. It was so amazing. And then Gary did the same thing. Now, it sucks that Gary missed that putt on 18. He had a lot of stuff going on uh, this past weekend, which made it even more impressive with his grandmother dying Friday night. You know, and, and then coming in and playing that round on Saturday and Sunday and still being that close. The thing is, what this reminded me of is you don't see this that often. Um, you, you, you think of Rory Reed at the Ryder Cup a couple of years ago. You think of Phil Stenson um, at the Open Championship a few years ago where these two guys, they battle it out. And it's just amazing shot after amazing shot after amazing shot. And this is rare. And what we saw on Sunday was rare and it was amazing and it was spectacular. It was awesome. Uh, it was a great way to start that season. What did you think about uh, the tournament there, Tambo? Yeah, you hit on a lot of it. I think some of the things that stood out, though, you know, you talked about that. The 17, you know, was crazy. Just talking Sunday in general. But on 17, like you said, he said he's got to go 30 feet right here. And as soon as that ball was hit, you heard him say, oh, no. And then what happened? Bang, right at the pin. But they were so worried that he was going in the danger zone. But in, in reality, he was just on fire. He was in the zone. You know, I think back NBA, those video games when the guy's on fire shooting the threes, that was sort of Xander on Sunday. And he just popped it right up there. And then to walk up and make the putt was like stone cold. And then you see Gary come back and do the same thing when nobody had birdied the hole all day. So you don't see it very often. You know, the other thing I'd say stood out was you look at where Rory and Leishman finished up, 71s and 72s. Gary did his job. He went out and shot a 68 with, as you mentioned, things on his mind like his grandmother's passing. Very hard to do. Very hard to keep your composure. Go 67, 67, 68, 68. And just have a guy that run up on you. Yeah, 62. <laughs> There's not much you can do, Dude, man. Like, if, I, you know. If you told me Gary Woodland with a three-shot lead going into Sunday was going to shoot a 68, I'd be like, he's going to win by three or four strokes. You know. Absolutely. I mean, what Xander did was, was, was a special, special thing that you won't see that often 
on tour at all. And for those who yeah. watched it, I mean, God, it was so much fun. You have to admit, it was oh, it was so incredible. He, he, almost had, he almost had four eagles because I know he chipped in a couple, but he had a third one that he chipped and it just hold out. It just rolled out. Yeah. So that was a tap in birdie, and then on eighteen he had that shot again. But no, that 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 putt on eighteen, no one could judge it. Right? It was a little bit off so no one really had it you saw jt come up short you saw xander miss you saw gary come up short it just sucked in the end but like i say to, to do what he did is still incredible i loved afterwards i saw a tweet out there that you know was you gotta love gary for this and he basically said they said you're gonna get past this type thing because how well you still kept your composure and played and he said no that's not how this works like you know you still when stuff goes down like this and you have your shot you got to capitalize and you got to do better and you got to win these. And I still left some shots out there. So I'll think about it. I'll get past it, but I'm not going to forget it. I think the biggest, and you got to love the competitor in him, right? That's yeah. huge to see that when he says that stuff, that tells you that he's still dialed in. He's not happy about it, but he knows he did his job. Like you can't do much more than what he did. I mean, hindsight's always 2020, but the one thing you got to think about Gary is how he played 14 the whole week. Um, you know, that, that short 288 yard par four under 300 yard par four, uh, everyone's going for the green all week. Xander went for it all four times, shot four under par on that hole for the week. Gary laid up every week, every 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 round, and shot minus one. So, I mean, if there's like one thing to, to quibble about about Gary is that his play on 14 might have been a little bit too conservative. But when you're up by that much um, and you're playing that well, I don't know if it wasn't the right play. Uh, so, what a tournament! Yeah, one a, more, one more thing. One, one more thing is DJ. Like DJ, I watched quite a bit of it, and I know you did. Like, how's he in fourth? Like, I, I don't even know what he did. He just shows up. It's insane. Like JT felt like again he had a real shot. Like he had a serious <coughs> round on Sunday. Shot a sixty-five. Had some eagle opportunities that he left a little bit short. Whatever. But I, I felt like DJ was in the grass, grazing in the woods, doing nothing the whole tournament. And he still just coasted. I mean, yeah. f- fifteen under T four with Rory and, and Leishman guys that were up there. Like it felt like had a shot all weekend. Sunday, I'm scared of Rory coming back to get Gary and DJ's just creeping up the board like no other. Same as always. Yeah, I mean, if JT was able to hit a putt the first three days, I mean, it could have been a different story because that man was on fire with his irons. Probably the best tee to green there was on the course. We'll get there. Yeah, probably. We'll get yeah. There. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, pretty incredible stuff. What a great tournament. And uh, we have our first. Listener League winner of the year. It was Sheridan24. Uh, it looks like he's a Bucks fan. And uh, 677 points, which is pretty freaking <laughs> sick, man. So so Sheridan24, his lineup consisted of um, Justin Thomas, who finished third. He was at uh, 17% in the Listener League. Uh, Jason Day finished 13th. He was at 24.5%. Uh, he had Xander, of course, um, who finished first. He had him at 14.5% owned in the Listener League. Uh, Marky Mark Leishman, he had at uh, who finished fourth uh, with 45% uh, in the league in the Listener League. Gary Woodland, um, you know, finished second, 45% owned. Pretty sharp guys right there for the Listener League. 45% owned on Leishman and Woodland. That's solid work. And he had Kevin Tway, who was you know dabbling in that top five for the whole week before he finished uh, 11th at 14% on. So this guy had, so Sheridan 24 had first, second, third, and fourth locked. Uh, so, so really, really solid week. Fine. What do you think of the lineup there, Tyler? Yeah, you, you said it. first, second, third, fourth. It's got to have it at this type of event. Very possible. I mean, he worked it out just nice. He also happened to have Jay day um, who was really solid, sort of that middle of the road pick that people know he was capable, but Jay day scored, right? Like if you look, he, he finished in 13th with 98, 
Tway, which was an excellent value. You can't compare a point per dollar because the price, but Tway finished 11th and had 83. So we talk about this all the time, but that's a 15 point swing in points because J Day just doesn't put up, he just, you know, overall, same thing 23 birdies, one eagle, you know, that's going to cover it off. So, uh, you know, he had the right scoring guys and the right mix. He had a couple low owned plays and Xander and JT, two guys we know have the firepower, two guys we know can go off at any time. I loved Leishman and Woodland. We like Tway as a value. Uh, JT up top, always a good score. But, you know, Xander, I said I would sit back and wait on. And, you know, it cost me. I know that. I could have had a much better week if I had plugged a lot more of him in. But he's the type of guy, like, it, you see what happens. It takes a 62 on Sunday, but he has it in him. Absolutely. There was a another thing I saw out there that said something really good. It was like, you know, Xander just keeps doing it. I don't know how. I think it was Josh Perry on Twitter. He said, I don't know how this guy keeps doing it. But he just does it. Yeah. And you, know, you wait for the regression, and it just never happens. Well, it's not like looking at Xander's numbers that he's a stat god. You know what I'm saying? Like, he has those tournaments right. where he doesn't fare well, where he finishes, you know, 50th, 60th, whatever. Um, you know, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the type of competition he's playing in. I mean, a lot of his wins, uh, you know, I think he won at the, didn't he win at WGC? Uh, he's won the Tour Championship. Now he's won the Tournament of Champions. So, I mean, the guy sort of steps up to these big time fields his next step will be a major of course and i think it'll be a hot pick for a bunch of the majors coming up this season all right yeah so we got that done last week was awesome but let's move on to this week the sony open the first uh full field event of the year which we're always looking for so the pga tour stays in hawaii this week at uh as wildlife country club plays host to the Sony Open, one of my favorite games when I used to play uh, Nintendo. It was a uh, Wildlife Country Club. I used to play that thing at all the time. Um, this will be a <laughs> the first large field event of the season, and after a couple of you know multiple no cut events in a row, we finally have a cut sweat on Friday. Now, only two winners here uh, since 2000 have been in their 20s: um, Russell Henley and Justin Thomas. But you know that's sort of a different. Thing nowadays with this new influx of youth that's coming in that are balling. I wouldn't look too much into that. Uh, 13 winners um, have been in their 30s and three winners since 2000 have been in their 40s. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 14 winners have been in their 30s. Now, being young and fearless on the strategic course, you know, it, it hasn't looked to be an advantage early on if you dig deep in it. But recently, things have changed a little bit. And I think that comes about with they lowered the rough here a little bit the last few years and made it a little bit easier. And then the talent level of all these young guys coming in, it's just a different type of golf that we're seeing now than just five, 10 years ago. I mean, it's not like that far ago. Like this is a complete different game that we're seeing now compared to 2013. And that wasn't that long ago. Um, now, 14 of the last 20 winners here played the week before at the tournament of champions. Also, the last eight winners here had a top six finish in one of their prior three starts leading up to their victory at Wailai Country Club. Now, Wailai is a 7,000-plus yard par 70 with four par threes, 12 par fours, and two par fives, which are both reachable by almost all the players in the field. Uh, the par fives are actually the two easiest on tour. It is also set up right next to Manalua Bay, which can cause windy conditions. Now, if the wind is down, this course is not too difficult to score on. The weather report as of now says the wind should stay calm, but check closer to the lineup block and make sure because the wind is up, the course will play totally different. Excuse me. Now, off the tee, golfers will see tree line, tight tree line fairways that are firm, flat, 
and fast with bunkers in play on a few holes and water only really a factor on two holes as well. I'm sorry, bunkers on a few holes and water only a factor on two holes. Two of the toughest fairways to hit on tour are on this course. The 18th has been the hardest fairway to hit on tour since 2012 with only around 31, 32% of balls landing on the fairway. The 13th hole is the fifth harder fairway to hit on tour since 2012 with only about 38% of balls reaching the fairway. Now, the rough, like I said, the rough on the fairway isn't particularly high anymore. Uh, they, they definitely mowed it down and it made the course a little bit easier, but it is that sort of Bermuda grass thick gnarly type rough so it lends itself the ball sinking into the grass and leaving tough flyer lies now with this information you would think driving accuracy would be very important but then you look at the numbers and trends and see that this is not necessarily true only 11 of the 48 golfers that finished top three here since 2005 were ranked inside the top 50 in driving accuracy for that season now, even though the 18th fairway is one of the most difficult fairways to hit on tour, it still plays as one of the easiest par fives each season. Now, a couple of years ago, um, uh, three years ago, winner was Fabian Gomez. He only hit 50% of fairways and was, uh, what, what, 60th in driving accuracy for the tournament. Uh, Brant Snedeker finished second that year uh, to Gomez, and he hit about 52% of his fairways. Uh, la- uh, two years ago, Justin Thomas hit less than 45% of the fairways and shot 59 during his first round on the way to beating the four-round course record. Now, I personally think this golf tournament will be won on approach shots from off and on the fairway and putting and a little bit of short game. Uh, On approach shots, golfers will see average-sized Bermuda grass greens that are fairly flat, much different than what they saw last week. Golfers need to hit as many greens as possible because there is a lot of trouble surrounding them. Many large, deep bunkers protect the greens, and the rough around the greens is much higher and thicker than the rough surrounding the fairways. Uh, These greens are firm and usually play around 11 on the stint meter. It could get as high as 11.5 if the winds uh, don't pick up. Uh, Now, many people say this course is similar to Mayakoba, Nine Bridges, Shishan International, and Copperhead. So looking at golfers who fared well at these locations in the past could give you a leg up this week. Tyler, what are you looking for in golfers this week? You hit on it with the approach shots. I mean, that's sort of the one big one that I saw that stood out. So approach shots for sure. Uh, This wind, like you said, looks like it's going to stay down. So I think we see, you know, 20 under or better again this week, no problem. So I'm going to be still looking at scoring things. So so birdie or better gained, DK points in general. I'm definitely looking at some ball strikers. Uh, some of the plays you'll hear as we go throughout them, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more vanilla, so to speak. I'm going to stick with some. That, that's saying, remember this, we're back to a full field here. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of names in the field. You're going to hear all the the rookies, the up-and-comers, all those shiny new toys. And this is one where I'm still going to stick to quite a few of the big names because I still think that it's going to be someone like that that pulls off the win that's got a little bit more experience uh, maybe they're just in the zone, but you know, I'll, I'll call some sleepers out later, but up top it's going to be, and through that middle tier, it's going to be a lot of guys that are like, ah, oh, it's basic. I, I think those are the guys that know what to do, where to place it, where to put it. And then it's just, which one of them gets the putter hot. Like you said, putting still does become a factor here. So, uh, a little bit across the board of everything. So, you know, strokes game par four was another one that I'm looking at. Uh, but overall there's going to be some good spots to pivot from. I think it's a good leverage in the field. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, iron play, um, I know putting's very, very variant, and I know some people are saying not to look at putting this week, but 
but I'll be looking at putting uh, a little bit more than usual this week. I mean, if you look the last 12 or 13 years here, 33 of the 45 golfers who have finished in the top three were 86 or better in strokes gained putting for that year. And that's that's basically average or better, a uh, little bit above average or better in putting. So uh, definitely putting, approach shots, all that good stuff. I think you got it down. So let's move on to the actual field. Let's start off on the top from the 10,000 and up range on DraftKings. We have uh, Jordan Spieth all the way up to Justin Thomas. Who are you playing? Who are you fading there, Tambo? Good range here. Uh, you know, the first conversation I think is to have is around Gary Woodland. So, uh, you know, a lot of talk today on Twitter out there, you know, automatic assumptions that he's just going to withdraw because of last week and with his grandmother's passing. But uh, I don't know if he does. I haven't heard anything on it yet. Uh, I think this is one that comes up all the time, whether it was a, you know, a slight injury the week before and now you assume it or something like this, a life event or a personal event. Haven't heard it yet. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. But I think that if it doesn't, that you'll get a guy a good good ownership there because I think people are just naturally assuming that. And because of that, all the early week builds, all the guys that just you know assume, uh, well, he had it, he lost it, could be mental, different factors, they'll bail away and go with somebody else around him like a Bryson or a Leishman. Um, the guy I like the most is probably going to be still the most popular just because I think people, if they're paying up, they're just going to pay it. We talked earlier, Justin Thomas just looked incredible last week. I think it was easily his tournament for the taking it just like you say he didn't really do nothing the first few days so um as far as stats go pops across the board he's hungry i think he's the guy but uh my first uh you know t3po my my three pivot options of the week my first one's going to be actually fading leishman for spieth uh spieth is sort of the hot topic you know everyone always hates on spieth but i i think here there's a reason he got out of bed and said, I'm coming to this tournament this week. And I think it's because he wants to do well here and he wants to win. Um, obviously a little bit, probably pissed off that he he's, he's wanting to be here. I know in the past, he's talked about it in certain quotes that I read that, you know, the idea was to get into the, t- the, the tournament of champions so that he could be there and play these two weeks back to back. He didn't get to play last week. He didn't win. So uh, I also read that, you know, he he's talked about it with his caddy, Michael Greller. And he said that this is sort of Greller says, this is a course for him. One of the best courses on tour for him, whether the wind's up or down, it suits him, uh, you know, all around. So it, it's just a bad year for him. I know that we, I don't know if he'll bounce back. I think uh, it's hit or miss what he does, but I think at that price, uh, we'll talk about him later when we get to betting, but I think at 10, three, even if you want to start your lineup with him, I'm okay with it. And I, I like Spieth over Leishman, who I think is going to stay popular after last week. I already saw people talking about betting him right away and his odds have went down a little bit. So typically, um, that dictates it. You know, Fanshare Sports is really good for looking up tags and getting ownership. They don't have a lot when we record during the week and start it off early. So later in the week on Twitter, you know, Kenny, you post some good stuff out there. I'm going to try and get to that this year and post a few more things. But it, I think right now, I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think Leishman's higher on than Spieth? Uh, I think so. Uh, the thing about Spieth is I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to play him just because even at that price, um, he just hasn't been good. Like he's shown me nothing. Nothing. I can't play him until he right. shows me something. He's shown me nothing, uh, in a, for a long, long. He's still he's still got to go out and do it. Time. He's still got to go out and do it. But you want you think he just decided to play for the fun of playing golf? I, I think he's got something to prove, and he wants to come out and make he, it happen. Of course, he has something to prove. Of course, he wants to go out there and win. Uh, but I just don't think that what he's shown me with the way he's played the last six to eight months that he has any shot at even being in the top five uh, in this tournament. Uh, that's just my take. I don't think I want to play Spieth. 
Uh, JT is definitely going to be my favorite play up top. It's not really that hot of a take. The guy played unbelievable last week. Tita Green, he was one of the best, one of the better iron players there was in the game last week. He just had a little bit of trouble with the putters the first couple of days. Uh, so I, I, he's won this tournament before. There's been plenty of multiple winners. We saw Jimmy Walker go back to back here uh, just a few years ago, not too long ago. Um, so I, I like Justin Thomas. I think Bryson might be the guy who goes overlooked, you know, in this range. If Woodland plays, I think he'll be popular just because of the way he's been playing. I don't think he's going to withdraw uh, in the middle of a tournament if he goes and doesn't withdraw before. You know what I'm saying? So if he's playing, I think, you know, people are going to roster him. And I think there's not that much of a worry about him not playing in the tournament. Now, the worry for him could be uh, his mental state after having, you know, the trauma of losing his a family member. And also, you know, what happened to him on Sunday, losing that lead. I mean, that's not easy to get over. Like he said himself, um, I think Bryson might be the guy who sort of gets overlooked. And Bryson's the four-time winner. <laughs> you know, he's won, what, three or four times in the last six months. I, I can't overlook him. I'll be playing him as well. So those two guys are my top guys. Not going really hot on that. I'm, I'm playing the top two guys this week a bunch. Yeah, the price is so much on Bryson that I just – that's it. like you said, I, I'm happier to play Gary. I think uh, we've talked about it before. I'm not going to go away from it, that he's overcome a lot more than his grandmother passing away. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, that's maybe true. the fire's that's in him. True. The fire's in him to just get that loss after he knows he did everything. He wants to stay hot. He's in the zone. It's not like he doesn't have momentum. He just didn't tie the course record on Sunday and therefore lost by one stroke. Yeah, well, the guy had a hot, hot weekend. So he can still get it done here. And at 10-8, he's a fair price to get your lineup started out as well. I mean, Bryson was in there, you know, in contention until, you know, the last probably 25 holes. He sort of dug himself out of it. Uh, but the thing about it is he has more wins in the last, since, since what, May than all the people in the 10K win column combined. Combined. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guy's a proven winner. Uh, I can't go against him. And if there's any chance possible – that he's going to be one of the lower-owned guys in this 10K range, I'm definitely going to use him. All right, so let's move to this 9K range. I'll go first, and I'll start out with my first cash game cornerstone pick of the 2019 season. I'm going a little bit off the board. I'm not picking – I'm picking a Cameron. I'm picking a Cameron Smith this week as my first cash game cornerstone. Babyface Cam Smith at $9,400. He won his little Australian uh, tournament, uh, his home country event there. Uh, a few weeks back, so he's coming in. He's not totally rusty. He played about you know less than a month ago. Uh, he's improved each and every time he's played. I think he went from like you know fifty first to twenty seventh to eighteenth or something in the three times he has played this event. I think ninety four hundred dollars is cheap for him. I think he easily makes the cut. And so what I'm going to do, what I see in cash this week, is that once you get below seventy five hundred dollars. It gets really the, the the drop in cash game options is very precipitous. Like it's it's a huge drop off in talent and in options once you get below seventy five hundred. So what I'm doing is I'm going to start low. Uh, my highest price golfer in my cash game is going to be Cam Smith, and I'm going to just roster no one under seventy five hundred dollars. So it's going to be extremely balanced, extremely tight. And I know a lot of you when you when you hear that. You're like, well, how are you going to have upside? You don't really need upside in cash. So a guy once told me, Roger Casey, um, a really smart guy, sharp guy. We don't see him around very much anymore, but he used to do stuff for Fire DFS. Um, he was on the show one time, and one thing he told me about cash is you, the upside's not really necessary. Your goal is to get 6-6 six six through. You get 6-6 six six through 98% of the time in a no-cut vent, 
you're going to cash. And that's the way I'm going to go about cash this week and most weeks. So first first cash game cornerstone pick, Cam Smith. Um, I also do love Hideki in uh, GPPs this week. The one stat that really popped out for me on Hideki was the new opportunities gain stat on Fantasy National. Um, you know, it's how many opportunity birdie opportunities he's gained compared to others in the field. Um, and you're going to need a lot of birdies. He is third in the last 50 rounds in this field in opportunities gained. And, you know, there's guys like Justin Thomas, Bryson, Woodland, you know, guys, uh, Cameron Champ. You know, guys in this thing who are just birdie machines. And he's third in this field in opportunities game. If his putter does anything, he can be in contention this week. So I like Hideki. And I also like um, I like Paul Casey as well uh, at the, ni- the 9,100 spot. Another guy good with his wedges. There's a good amount of wedges. I think you're going to hit around, I'd say around seven, five shots from like 100 to 150. And then like a couple of shots from like 150 to 175. So what I'm looking for is 125 to 175. Paul Casey, top 10 in 125 to 150 um, in the last 50 rounds. Top 10 in DraftKings points. His iron game's always strong. And then I'm also going to go one guy who I think will be underlooked, uh, and that's going to be Patrick Reed at 9,600. I'm going to throw some – I'm going to play Reed a bunch, uh, especially early on. I think uh, a big year is coming for him, so I'm going to play him, uh, and I think he could be overlooked. Yeah, no Cam Champ for you? No Cam, no Cam, no Cam Champ. I'm going Cam Smith for me this week. Yeah, every time we talk about this guy, yeah, I know. And I'm, I'm always the same way. I don't know why. And then I just watch him continue to bury 30-footer after 30-footer, uh, like early in the early in the week last week, and I just couldn't believe it. He hit a house or something and then came back and parred the hole, like drops a 35-footer. So this guy is, a, you know, an incredible talent. We'll continue to watch him at almost 10K insane to me it's tough he's he is that good it just it's painful so i i don't know if we're ever going to see lower prices on him though so maybe that is underpriced and we'll learn the hard way or i'll learn the hard way again but uh, i like your take on reed gpps only but uh not going to go away from what we liked last week just because one really bad week he definitely was you know showed us nothing last week but we're on him for a reason i don't like going away from that just after one bad week especially in golf we know who the guy is we know what he's got for capabilities um, much higher on a couple other guys here, actually. So first one you just talked about was Paul Casey. Don't got to rehash it, but at 9,100, I think that's a very fair price. Uh, pops in some of the categories that we talked about earlier with approach. Birdies are better gained. I'm talking last 50 rounds. Quite a few sneaky good DK points, eighth overall in the last 50 rounds in DK points. And strong par four scoring, which I like here. So Paul Casey at 9,100. Uh, my my other uh, surprising it's one of your cash game cornerstones, but my second T3PO of the week is Hideki over Cam Smith. Uh, I think as the week goes on, unfortunately Hideki will be a little bit more popular than I'd like. Uh, but I still have heard quite a bit of early buzz on Cam Smith. Again, normally betting dictates DFS. I hear a lot of guys talking about you know his success and his ability here and how the course sets up well for him. Uh, I'll see how the ownership goes, but as of right now, it feels like it's going to be a little bit balanced there, and I'll take a heavier chunk of Matsuyama over any Cam Smith for me. Uh, and then lastly, another GPP only. I like this range because I told you I'm not as high on the top uh, besides JT, but uh, if you drop down here, I also like Grillo. Um, he's sort of a steady Eddie, but uh, overall solid. Um, you know, Ken Pot, he can, he just hits fairways and greens, so uh, I'm good with him for that. And then he can make birdies. We know he can show up in something like this. 9,200, I'm not too scared of that price. So I think, you know, Hideki, Grillo, 
Casey, all those guys in that range. I really like that range quite a bit more than the next one with, you know, Kisner at the bottom at 9K even, or maybe Charles Howell if you want to go into that at 8,900. Yeah, I do love this 9K range. It's one of my favorites. The Cam Smith-Hideki argument, it was really close for me uh, going. I just think I like the way – I like Cam coming off of victory, uh, you know, in his home country event, even though the stats all lead to Hideki by a lot. I mean, I think in my ranking right now, in my stat ranking, I have Hideki at third and Cam Smith at 64th. But once again, you can't look at stats as the end-all, be-all all the time. You have to have some type of knowledge of, of golf, you know, I mean, uh, of these golfers. And Cam Smith, he fits that role here, and I do like him this week. So let's move on to this uh, 8K range. We got uh, Russell. We got Siwoo. Siwoo all the way up to CH3. Who you got in this range there, Tambo? Not your brethren there, no. Not Siwoo Kim. Um, if we start at the top and head down, though, um, like a couple guys that we talked about answer sort of in the swing season. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support because we know you have people depending on you so you can always depend on us. Call. ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Discover the new three step Pro Partial Range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial, available at Walmart. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, kind of against what I talked about earlier with the shiny new toy, but I just think he's really good, man. I think, uh, you know, every time we talked about him, he's been capable and, and been there near the end. I uh, really like answer. Uh, I like Stanley right next to him. I, I guess I really like the balance builds this week. Cause this is sort of, again, where I'm just looking at everybody. Uh, but two of my favorites here, you know, I'll go into them. So first one is Zach Johnson, 8,600. I think he's underpriced. I think uh, he's done well here in the past. Uh, he's got the skills that we talked about earlier about a ball striker and not necessarily uh, any type of bomb and gouge or anything like that. So as far as scoring goes, birdies are better. He's middle of the pack, but uh, not middle of the pack. I'd say higher up, but uh, not quite the top. Or he's not a top 20 type guy, but he's up there. And he's also 8,600. So I, I like when we're talking about GPPs and you talked about earlier with upside, I like the upside of him a little bit more at 8,600. I like Kyle Stanley there with him. Um, the other guy, I don't know how popular he's going to be just yet. But the only other guy here that I, I really like quite a bit is Adam Scott. And again, just think too cheap. Like I said, I'm going very vanilla with the picks. Throw Kucher in there if you want. Uh, I really like Scott more, but I'm just saying these are the types of guys that I like this week. The proven skill sets, the guys that have been doing it. I'm looking at 50 rounds because I want long-term set. And again, I'm kind of avoiding or ignoring what you just talked about. I, you know, I do know golf. I follow it heavily. But it's it's more about what I think is this week is about coming out, proving something, getting hot early and getting their season started right. I want the guys that are very experienced, know what they need to do. They're not just here for a vacation to hang out. They want to come out and get some numbers up early. We know what Adam Scott wants to do. He wants to battle back and get back to where he was in the world rankings, get some stats up early and go from there. And I like him all across the board. Uh, he's like a Hideki when it comes to stats. Yeah, um, I do love Adam Scott this week. He's my favorite uh, GPP play uh, in this 8K range. I think he's even viable in cash. But I'm going to start off with my second cash game cornerstone pick, and it's going to be up top. It's Charles Houghton third. When you make 17 to 17 cuts at a tournament with, like, nine top tens 
and you just and you and you know it's not like he can't win. We saw him win recently, so uh, uh, I I got to go with Chucky Three Sticks. Um, he had a decent showing last week. He was up there. Uh, what uh, he finished with a solid Sunday round of a uh, sixty nine, finishing in, you know middle of the road in a pretty stacked field. Still had eighteen birdies or better last week. He had ten. Um, what was it? What he had ten birdies uh, in his last two rounds played. So I do like the way he looks. Uh, I like the way he plays his course. It's pretty easy to just throw him in and cash. GBPs, I can understand why you want to stay away from him. He could be extremely high owned with that type of course history that he has. But he will be my second cash game cornerstone pick. Again, I do like Adam Scott as well. I love Abraham Answer at 8,800 if you're looking for a pivot from Charles Howell III. I think Answer is that guy. The guy is a good golfer, man. Uh, really, really good, you know, Good golfer, had a good fall, really, really good at par fours. And you got to think that there's, what, 12, um, 12 par fours uh, every day that they're playing on this course. So I like answer. I do like Kuchar as well here. Uh, one of the – he's probably the best from 125 to 175 uh, in this field. Third in the last 50 rounds from 125 to 150. First in the last 50 rounds from 150 to 175. That, that wedge game for Kuchar – could play well. He played well on Sunday. Nice little 69. Um, I think it was a bogey-free 69, too, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, uh, maybe it wasn't a bogey-free 69. But still, he played He played really well that uh, that Sunday. Uh, he actually um, hurt. Uh, it was a bogey-free uh, final round. Uh, I had him up against Piercy uh, in a head-to-head matchup on round four. And uh, Piercy birdied the last to, for a push so i was really happy about that but th- those are the three guys those are the three or four guys that i like in this range as well all right so let's move on to the 7k range and i'm going to go ahead and start because my final two cash game cornerstones are in this range they're going to be Patton kazire at 7800 uh, 7900 and scott piercy at uh, seventy six hundred dollars, Patton Kazire, you know, he, he, you know, he's, he won here what last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, really good uh, the tournament at the Tournament of Champions. He was up there, thirteen under, had a nice little top ten. Uh, he's actually been playing a lot better than he has, you know, towards the end of the last season. This fall has been pretty decent for him uh, with a fifteenth um, at the uh, RSM, uh, top twenty five at the CJ Cup, and of course his eighth. Uh, last week at the Tournament of Champions. Uh, again, former winner here. And then Piercy, uh, he's always talked about, I mean, if you've been on Twitter today, you see a lot of people talking about bringing up like his old Twitter uh, comments about how much he loves this course. Like he literally loves this course. And he went through, uh, I think in the last, if I'm not mistaken, he had something like uh, like 15 birdies in his last, you know, 40 holes, something like that, like better than a 30% clip uh, birdie or better percentage in his last 40 holes at the tournament and champion. So he really came on towards the end of the tournament there on a course that he loves. So my four cash game cornerstone picks this week are going to be Cam Smith at 9,400, Charles Howell III at 8,900, Patton Kazire at 7,900 and Scott Piercy at 7,600. This leaves you uh, $16,000 under the cap. So you don't have to go under $7,500 at all. Like I said earlier, I'm keeping everything in cash above $7,500 this week. Uh, So that's going to be it. Now, other guys that I do like uh, GPP wise, Ian Poulter had one of his better um, iron 
performances last year. I think uh, last week, I think he hit uh, 100% of his greens on Saturday, hit almost 90% of his greens on Sunday. His putting was just atrocious. Um, Hopefully with these flatter, the thing about, Kapalua is you're not you don't see greens like that often. I mean it's crazy undulations, so much slow slope, so slow. We're going back to a more traditional type PGA Tour type greens. I think he should be able to get better at that. And if he continues with that strong iron game, I think he can make some noise. I'm going back on Kevin Tway. Uh, the guy's just playing too well. Um, you know, really really strong. Even though his the thing is it's it's his length. That is his big thing, but I think the confidence level that he has being in the mix, coming off a win in the fall, I think that can help him. I also do like Danny Lee. He's going to be my favorite Korean play. Yes, I know he's from New Zealand, but he was born in Korea, people. So Danny Lee um, is going to be my one my, my Korean of the week. Shockingly, Danny Lee, top 10 in DraftKings points uh, in the last 50 rounds in this field. Top 10 in this field in DraftKings points, last 50 rounds. He's also third in strokes gained par four, uh, last 50 rounds in this field. So I'm a big fan of Danny Lee. I got some others down below, but Tamba, who do you like in this range? Yeah, so this is what I love about cash versus GPP. I'll probably play some cash games this week to hedge because we couldn't be further apart this week on plays. So um, I don't have enough pivot options to go off here, but I'll give my third in a moment. But uh, for starters, I'm, I'm really not on – um Kazire or Harmon I've heard a lot of early week talk on them you just hit on Kazire obviously former champion last year uh big on Poulter so if if I had a fourth pivot option it would be Poulter but it's in this range anyway so that's why I'm saying that but Poulter you talked about even talked shit about himself on Twitter basically saying like if I could just figure out this putter so it just crushed it last week first in greens and regulation uh strokes gained everything was solid there for him uh, and he couldn't find the putter, which normally, as you saw last year to get into the Masters at the Houston Open, uh, that's just one putt. But if he wants to get the putter going, he can. So I expect him to bounce back this week. Uh, pops up everywhere else for me. So I like him over those two guys that have been talked about. But my third is going to be um, sort of in this entire range. You want to talk 7,500 to 8,000. I'll take Keegan Bradley over everyone uh, this week. And I think a lot of people are going to be on PRC. A lot of people on Revy. I'm not against those guys. I actually do like uh, Chris Kirk as well, who I'll go into in a second. But Revy, or sorry, Bradley, uh, the only thing he really had going last week was a little bit of strokes gained approach. He couldn't do much else with it. Uh, the course, I think, still sets up well for him across the board. He is really strong in approach. Birdies are better. DK points. Ball striking in general. Uh, fairways gained. So if he can get the putter going, which is same with everybody, uh, he's sort of that upper third in opportunities gained. I just think 7700 for him is way too cheap uh, for what we've seen from him in the last little while. So uh, I'm okay with him. I like him over everybody in the range. I was going to say there, the other one I'm really against you on is Chris Kirk over Scott Piercy. Not really a guy that I'm going to go hard on, but I, I'll definitely be well over the field. And uh, I read some stuff today about Chris Kirk, and he's actually been in Hawaii for a week, hanging out with the family, doing a little bit of golf, working on some fundamentals, he says. So I kind of like that coming in as far as, again, just getting to the cut and then making your upside happen from there. I want as many six out of six lineups as possible in GPPs in a full field event like this. And for him to have the upside, you know, we've seen it before. He can definitely top 10 this thing at 7,600. I really like his price. Uh, and then it drops down from there. So go over your three Tambo pivots. Uh, t- yeah, t- three, rehash t- yep. them. So, 
So the three T3PO's of this week is going to be Spieth over Leishman. Uh, I think a lot more people are going to be on Leishman. We talked about that. I think Spieth is here for a reason. Like his ability, whether it's been there or not, been shown or not, you don't know till you see it. I want to be on him early before others are. I think he can bounce back. Um, the second one I talked about was Hideki over Cam Smith. Cam Smith coming off the win in his home country. You talked about that. Hideki not really doing anything too crazy, but being a stat god when it comes down to it at 9,300, just too cheap. Uh, and then the third and final, like I said, there's quite a few in this range, but just Bradley over anyone. But I'm going to use Bradley over Piercy. Uh, Piercy's been talked about. The the tweet's been posted of him showing off, you know, how much he loves the course. Every time anyone's ever tweeted him what your favorite course is, that says it. There, there's lots of guys that like courses that haven't done well at them. So I, I'm okay with fading that and going with uh, Keegan Bradley at 7,700, I think is simply too cheap. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on to this bottom part of this range. There are a couple of guys that do like here from 7,400 and below. I sort of do like um, – uh, where is it? Andrew Putnam? Everyone's talking about him. I think you know we, uh, he had a good showing again last week. I think I think he's viable again. Uh, I think he might be more of a bet than a DFS play, depending on how uh, popular he's going to be. Because it, it is possible that Putnam's going to be very popular. I've seen I've seen a couple of guys, big name guys, on him already. So it's possible that he could be a uh, a little bit higher owned. And if he is, then the fade is is doable there because it's not like he's a proven guy. But we'll check the ownerships uh, as the week goes on. I do like James Hahn. i got to put in another Korea in there. Uh, lost in a six-hole playoff to Pat and Kaziah here last year. This guy just pops out of nowhere. So, you know, you know, poor city played well last year. It could be another spot for him. Uh, Sam Ryder is another guy at $7,200, another stat god. Uh, that I am like, you know, fourth in strokes game approach in this field last 50 rounds, fifth in draft king points, um, you know, you know, uh, top five in uh, strokes game par five, second in opportunities gained. And that's the big thing about Sam Ryder. He, he has a shit ton of birdie opportunities all the time. He's had a decent, actually pretty strong fall so far with a third the Shiners and fourth at the Safeway. Uh, and, and, those, and I sort of, I play a little bit of Ryan Armour down below at 91. This seems like the course, well, a shorter course where driver off the tee is not really necessary all the time, which suits him because he's not that great off the tee. He's more better with his irons. And so I, I'll play a little bit of armor as well. Anybody else in this lower 7K range that you like, Derek Ambo? First off, I like Lee, like you said earlier, over Putnam, um, I, I, even as a I, bet. I, I, I do too. I like, first I off, like I Lee a lot. I like I, Lee a lot. Yeah, I agree with what you said, too. Like you said, I think Putnam is a better bet than a DK play. But honestly, I, I don't even like betting Putnam because even and – I, and we'll get into the, the betting segment later that we've we've introduced and talk a little bit about my Gary Woodland story and stuff with, you know, the ability in Canada's to have cash outs each ways where I can autom- – I still get, get them paid out at a top five. I get one quarter of the payout. But Putnam for me is down to, you know, 80 to one. Maybe it's the odds that we lose out on. But he started a little bit better. Guys, like you said, in the industry that I've seen have already been betting him. Maybe they got him at 100 or 110 or whatever the number is. It's okay. I just I, I don't see the guy going off and taking this thing down. So if anything, I would probably go reverse now. And at those odds, I'd probably have to throw him in a few lineups. But I like Danny Lee for upside there way more. And another guy I really love that you didn't mention is uh, Steve Stricker. You know, the the joke on Twitter, APS, Ryan Baroff always has it, always play Stricker. I, I think at 7,300, he's a – a solid cut maker. I'm not, I'm not going to say he's going to be up there, but a top 20 is very possible. And this isn't the tournament of champions where you need one, two, three, four, 13 and 11 
to score all the points and win the tournament. You need six out of six, and you probably need six guys in the top 20 with one winner or, you know, one guy outside that has a ton of points that he scored. So I think Stricker's a guy that can get a top 20 for you. And at 7,300, that's some good value. Uh, Joel Dahman, if you want to get on him after it seems like a lot of people are off of him, I'll take Joel Dahman over Ryan Armour. Uh, still like his upside, like the bucket hat. It's hot out. It's Hawaii. He fits the mold. See him on Sunday shooting around. So I do like him. And then I always ride Sam Ryder. So 7,200, same price as Dahman. But th- these are sort of, uh, you know, we talked earlier in the season about these plays that we, you know, we won't want to go too much below. You mentioned at the top of the pod for this tournament in general, we talked about it as a, a general strategy, a side note of, you know, not going too far below these price points. And these are sort of where I finish. Um, I definitely got some plays down here that I'm going to go into that I'll be much less on. But those plays I just talked about are who I feel comfortable going with from 7,200 and above and get some really nice balanced rosters with a lot of upside for top 20s and above. And if they're coming top 20, it means they made the cut. So that, that's what I need, six out of six with upside to get in the top 20 and beyond with some winners in there. But 7,200 guys allow me to fit all these guys in at the top in that 9K range we talked about just fine. Sounds good, man. Lots of good info right there. Let's move on to this final 6K range. You know, of course, there's not always too many guys, but there's still a few guys down here, and I'll start. Uh, Cam Davis, it looks like I love the Cams this week. Uh, Cam Davis is 6,800. The talent is there. Uh, I think sort of the shiny new toy thing is sort of worn off on him, so he might not be as popular as he normally is. But, you know, in his few starts this year, I think he only has 31 rounds uh, of you know of PGA Tour experience compared to everyone else's 50 when I'm looking at the last 50 rounds total he's still top 10 in opportunities gained uh, so you know he gets a lot of birdie chances so I like Cameron Davis uh, there's a lot of talk on Shugo Imahira at $6,800 the guy's like 53rd in the world uh, he's coming off a really good Japan tour. I know a lot of the sharps are talking about him. I, I, I can get I can get on board at sixty eight hundred dollars for a guy who's you know fifty third in the world. Um, I have no problem with that. Uh, other guys that I do like, I like Troy Merritt at sixty seven hundred, coming off last week. A guy in this range that actually played last week. I think they. I think you know finding guys that played last week in the six K range is going to be an advantage. He's definitely one of those guys because he has. You won't have that rust to knock off because a lot of these lower price guys they haven't played in, in in months you know what i'm saying they hasn't played in a professional tournament in months so i do think merit has a little bit of an advantage there um other guys that i am going to play in this range uh dominic bazelli at 6400 if his putter gets hot uh you know he's one of the better putters out there so you can you never really know and 6400 i think it's worth taking a little bit of a risk um any guys that you like in this range there tambo Say I think we're the same, isn't it? It's because they pop like that. But I mean, I'll go into a couple others because I'm down there. But um, you talked about Cam Davis and Merritt, the obvious. Uh, I like Adam Schenk, just a random play. Uh, you know, 6,600. There's sort of nobody else in that range I even see that I like. And I always kind of want to have just one from each range. Um, more so for just just a random one-off upside play. Doesn't really pop at any stats. But, I've you know, I've seen him at enough events, watch enough golf to see him get on a a little run, right, where he'll have, uh, you know, five birdies. He had a 14th at the Safeway, a 7th at the Sanderson Farms, 22nd at the RBC Canadian Open, 23rd at the RSM, 6,600. That's the guy I'm talking about. Now, he's sort of one of the top 30, top 40 type guys, 
but as a cut maker at 6,600 makes all the difference. And to get 23rd or 14th in some of these tournaments, you got to have some birdies in there, obviously. So scoring wise, he's fine as well at 6,600. Um, and then the other, only other one, like, uh, I got to dig a lot further. So many names down here, but, uh, the one thing shout out to Ben Coley. We talked to him on Twitter a little bit. I think we're going to try and get him on a pod here. Um, in his article, he had in his uh, a little, I'll read one nugget off it, but he had Bozelli, who you just talked about, is playing his final start on a major medical extension and needs a top five finish to climb out of the conditional category. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. So, so it's, he said, you know, it's in, this is sportinglife.com. You can check out his article. It's one I like to read every week. Uh, I want to say he hit Xander last week too. I, I can't remember, but yeah, he did. He did. So, and he doesn't pick a lot of picks. I mean, he's a good, sharp guy, good to follow. Uh, he said, you know, it is significant perhaps that he's chosen to put down his final card at the Sony open rather than the career builder where he was fifth back in 2017. So there's gotta be something there. You know, it's sort of like when I said Spieth getting up out of bed and coming to choose to play this one, we know they have to go and actually prove it and Spieth's a different category with that price tag, but you know, Bozelli's going all in here, whether that turns out good or bad, I'll take a shot at 6,400. Anytime I see Bozelli in a field at this cheap of a price where you know, putting could be like a big factor. I'll play him. You know what I'm saying? The guy, the guy can get hot with the putter. He's a, he's a good putter. And so I'll definitely go ahead and roster him. I do like that. I'll probably play him more now since I heard all that stuff about. What, <laughs> yeah. What What about uh, What about Luke Donald at 6400? He he can do stuff with a putter too, he, right? He, Is this he, up his alley? Yeah, he's just too old for my ass, man. I you know I think I think his his, <laughs> his career is is on the downward slope, and I don't know how much more he's got left in the tank, and I don't think I could roster him. Okay, and then what about your namesake, Kenny Perry, sixty one hundred? I mean, isn't he like seventy four years old, man? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about rostering these old guys anymore, especially with like all you know. I, and I, back in the day, I, that's what I used to do. If you listen to this pod enough, like I was always all about the old heads. We're in a different type of golf game now. Uh, this is not. This is not your father's golf. This is not your older brother's golf. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like these yeah. these guys out here are sick. You know, they're, they're, they're pin seeking. They're going, these young guys have no fear anymore. And, and I think a lot of that had to do with Tiger, you know, growing up with Tiger and watching him and how he played. You're getting a lot of these guys that, you know, grew up with Tiger and they play with no fear, like none whatsoever. It's just aggressive and a talent out the board. It's hard to compete if you're an old guy uh, in these, in the, you don't see many 40 plus winners uh, on the tour very often anymore. Okay, I got one last play I'll take, and it's 6,000 on the dot. We talked a lot about him in the swing season. My Canadian guy, Mackenzie Hughes, 6,000. He hasn't done anything in his last three events, but if you look over his last 20, he has improved stroke scan approach uh, enough, almost doubling it, and, and his, his stroke scan around the green, uh, he's really improved from a negative status right up to 0.8 overall in his last five. So strokes gain there. It, it's crazy, but I'm just saying for 6,000 even, he is a young guy. We've seen him have upside at certain events, 8th at the RBC, 33rd at the Safeway, 16th at the John Deere. These are easier scoring events, but at 6,000, I could take a couple shots with him, and he's Canadian. So uh, like you have your Korean guys, I'm going to roll with my Canadian guy at 6,000. All right, got to stay on brand like that. All right, so – all right, we're good with that. Let's move on to our weekly betting segment. Uh, let's talk about last week. Tambo, talk about uh, Woodland and last week and what happened with you. 
Yeah, so it's it, how it works is this is if I so we talk about it a little bit, but the each ways I mentioned, and just to explain those, it, you know, again or be, be more clear is when I take a bet on a guy, and I like to do each way if it's you know fifty five or above is typically where I'm at. If it's fifty one, I'll eat it. If it's fifty five or above, I like to take it because what it says is that if he wins, I get the outright money that it would pay, same as outright, but then I get a quarter basically for the for the each way. So. How that works is I got a bet. If I bet $30, it's 15 going towards the outright, 15 going towards the top five, essentially, is the way it pays out. So um, if a guy comes in fifth and I had him on an each way, if I have him an outright, I get nothing. If I have him on an each way, because he came top five, I get one quarter of the payout. So if the total payout was 1000 now I'm getting the 250 on the on the quarter. So it just can help you. In some cases, it's strong when you're only betting you know, four and five guys a week. I know there's guys out there on Twitter that like to bet, you know, 15, 20, 30 guys a week. They're adding guys during the tournament, you name it. Not naming names, just in general, there's, there's people that do that and there's hedging and this, that, and the other, and certain times call for it. But for me, I like to keep a little bit of a smaller portfolio so that when you go on a run and start hitting guys, you're actually making money. And so what happened last week, I, it's, I didn't have any E-Tree. I'll bring that up because we're going to get into it in a second. But the Woodland story I keep talking about is – all weekend long, because Woodland was going wire to wire, I was saying, should I cash out? Because I had him at 29 to 1 or 26 to 1, I think I got him at. I can't remember now. But, um, you know, I had him to win like $1,800 and I wanted to cash out. I was like, man, when I saw Rory up his ass on Saturday, I know it was three strokes, but I said, man, like I just got a feeling about Sunday. Something's changed. Rory looks good. We watched him. You know, he does look good. Something looks like it has ticked on. And then on Sunday it went away. But, um, as far as this goes, you know, I, I kept saying, I'm going to cash out. I'm not going to cash out. I'm going to ride it. And then on Sunday, uh, once he tied it back up because there's only, there was only like four holes left or whatever it was, or, or three holes left when he tied it back up, I had an option to cash out for like a thousand dollars because the way that they look at it, the thing that we didn't mention earlier, when the only thing that would have made that tournament better was if Xander and Gary were in the same group, but because Gary had a hole ahead, they look at it like if Xander can birdie 18, so can Woodland. If Xander can eagle 18, or, or sorry, 17, if Xander can birdie 17, so can Woodland. If Xander can eagle 18, so can Woodland. So the minute Woodland tied it back up um, at 21 under, they decided to offer almost, it was basically just over half the money. And I just had a feeling about this guy X, and I cashed out the money for like a thousand bucks and change instead of what would have been 1800 if he wins. So you are still taking a risk, but the way the book's looking at it is like, if if he ties it up and goes, it's going to be way more than that with just one hole to play, one mano y mano in a, in a two-man race. So uh, I chose to take it and cashed out. In the end, it paid off because obviously X went on to win. Uh, it doesn't always work that well. You know, you know Woodland could have easily went on to win there, and then I cost myself $700. But in this case, that's sort of the benefit of cash out. And speaking of that, you know, the, the DraftKings Sports Betting uh, National Championships coming up this week, I get the luxury of going as a plus one with Gup and the guys because Canadians can't play in it. So I'm going to tag along just for a boys trip. And DraftKings, I know they do have a cash out option. So a lot of people have been getting excited about that because there's some ways to do it. We'll talk about it as the season goes on in the betting segment, but it's definitely not always profitable. A lot of times you can let it ride. There's different situations where you can hedge. Right, I could have just bet a bunch of money on X to cover the difference, but um, I, I like to do that sometimes, especially if you have a guy behind. Right, if you like last week I had Leishman, I'll give you another quick example. But on Saturday night, 
I had Leishman behind, not that far, and had Woodland. I could have cashed out Woodland then for $1,000 and then just cheered for Leishman and used some of that cash out money to put on Rory at three and a half to one. That might have been the smarter way to do it. But in the end, uh, you know, it, it felt it really did feel like someone could come from behind at this course with no wind on Sunday. The ability there, what we'd seen the course record be from before, and it turned out it did. I just got lucky in this case. Um, so that won't always happen, but it very easily, like I said, could have cost myself almost double the money if it goes the other way. All right, man. We're going to have to talk more about that because I don't know any about uh, that stuff just literally flew over my head. Again, I'm sort of a noob when it comes to this gambling stuff. Yeah. So it is definitely, if you guys are new to it, just like me, uh, it's definitely something to listen to. Listen to what Tambo says. We'll, we'll have different strategy points and different ways to look at it. He'll go over what all these different things mean as the season goes uh, through. So let's, let's go ahead with our bets. I'll go ahead and start this week. I'm going to start off uh, with my boy, Babyface Cam Smith. At a twenty-eight to one, I don't mind Hideki at twenty-eight to one either. Uh, but uh, I'll go Cam at twenty-eight to one. I think that number is a little bit large for him. Uh, next, I'm going to go Adam Scott at forty-five to one. I mean, that number just seems really big for a guy uh, with his talent. And it's not like you know he had that he had that rough patch, but you know towards the end of the season and in the fall, he's played well. Uh, if you look at last year and towards the end of his year, he finished third at the PGA fifth of the Northern Trust and, you know, had top 10 at the CJ Cup and a top 20 at the WGC. So it's not like he's playing poorly. You know, the game's probably going to come back. The guy's uber talented. 45 to one seems like a really large number for him as well. And in my final pick, I'm going to go Danny Lee at 80 to one uh, as my long shot. He came in second uh, in his last tournament played the stats matchup. This is the type of course where I think he could do well. I got, I got three bets this week. Um, so far, I might add one or two more. These are sort of a little bit off the board, I think, from some. But I, I just got one favorite, one middle tier, and one long shot. Um, Spieth at 15 to 1. Like the value, like I said, I'm higher on him than probably a lot of people are this week. I know at some books this morning when I woke up, guys on Twitter were laughing that he was 6 to 1. So at 15 to 1, I saw it and I grabbed it. I thought for a guy that I actually think could come out and win this thing, has the skill, has the ability, whether he turns it on or not, we'll find out. Uh, I'll go with that, you know, as sort of a conviction play, use them on DK uh, and bet them at 15 to one up there. Um, my second one I talked earlier about is ZJ. I, I like ZJ's chances here. Always has a little bit of upside. He could, you know, sometimes he just shows up. And, and if he does that, he can get, you know, he could be also a first round leader. We haven't talked about those yet very much, but I'll look at that too. But at 41 to one, I got him at. So I got ZJ sort of as my mid tier guy. Uh, and then my long shot we just hit on was Bazelli. Uh, this is the one where I'm talking about it each way. So he's he used 226 to one on my book. And so I, I got him as an each way. And and that's just basically, like I said, whatever it happens, I can uh, I can pull it up right here quick uh, and just go through it with you what I got. But so I put uh, 20 bucks, basically 10 and 10 to win 3000. And so while you think $20 at 226 should pay like 4300 or 4400, the, the reason it's less is because I've only put 20, but I put 10 on him to win outright for 2260 and 10 for a quarter of that, which means if he went, if he comes top five, which he needs to come top five, that's why I love this bet so much from the Ben Coley tip. He, he really needs to come top five here. So if he does and pulls it off, then I, if he comes up short and only comes in third, I'm still going to end up with $750 of the 3000. All right. That sounds good, man. Anything else that we missed this week? 
No, I think we're good. I think uh, a lot more news to come out. Remember, it's a full field event again. So uh, the big news I'm talking about is more so on if you see anything with Woodland, uh, ownerships, different factors we're going to have to weigh out. Keep your eye on Twitter for Kenny and I. Uh, obviously, we're going to be posting things as we go along. Go from there. All right. So tell them where they can find your work there, Tambo. Yeah, gupscorner.com, one of the partners over there with Gup, Bucks, all the guys. I'm sure you guys all saw the one and done. Loaded up at almost 3,300 people, so thanks to everybody for joining. Uh, it's just packed. There's some big names in the tournament. It's pretty exciting for the season uh, to see some of the names that are in it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, also, GC Cup, uh, a lot of guys in the community are in the Platinum version or the Woods version, as it's called, sort of the Primo, the Primo, best of the best. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun as the season goes on. There's segments involved. Uh, I got an article over there that I'm going to post starting this Wednesday, Tambo's Tea Time, uh, the classic namesake article where I'm just talking about some pivots beyond what uh, we talked about here on the pod, Kenny. Uh, and then from there, yeah, if you, if you guys need me this week, I'm going to be heading to Jersey. Like I said, the boys were all going to New Jersey for the Sports Betting National Championship, just tagging along for the boys' trip, get to see these guys put all their money in action and see if they can't win the million dollars. All right. Sounds good. You can find my work each and every week on powerhourpod.com. I write uh, a full article based on, you know, trends, the course, uh, my stats I'm looking for, and my favorite picks of the week. You get that every week. Uh, actually, it's less than $100 for the whole season, and you get that plus uh, a, a, a customizable stat spreadsheet. Uh, you also get Jabberwock's uh, cheat sheet, weekly cheat sheet, and uh, access to the Slack channel, which is amazing. Uh, the, the guys are some sharp dudes on the Slack Slack channel, sharper than me. So it's something to look for under $100 for the season. Also find me on Twitter at KendoVT for your you know, late-night hot takes. All right, guys, let's have a good week. Sony Open this week. Let's win some money. We'll see you again next week. <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 